Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. And today is really special as we're talking about our cultural streets. So much there that, that I'm ready to dive into. Um, also, make sure you have the City Life app downloaded because you're going to need it here in just a few minutes, all right? But, uh, but, be- but before you guys get settled in too good and get too comfy, I'm going to make you stand again. I know some of you are going, wait a minute, we just stood. I know, I'm messing up everything. You're like, oh, Pastor, we normally don't stand at this time during the service. I know, tough. We, but since, since I get to leave the service, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask all of us to stand for just a minute. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, all right? But I just stand up. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to look on the screens because on the screens, is a scripture. This is our theme scripture for the year. But today, I just, I want us to read it out loud because I believe this has a punch that we kind of need today, all right? And, uh, and, and I just want to read it. I want this to get into your spirit. So take a look at it. Read it aloud with me. Come on, say it. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Here's the deal. If you're feeling weak, if you're not soaring on wings like an eagle, if you're running around and you're wore out, you're wore down, you're walking around, you feel like you're going to pass out, I have a message to you today, and it's a message of hope. It's a message of hope. My goal is to help you to get your eyes focused back on Jesus, knowing that God has plans for your life. There's a purpose of why you are here. And, and, and my prayer is that today your purpose will begin to just like literally explode out of you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's no accident you're here today. This is a setup from God. He set it up for you today, and your best is yet to come. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the scripture that's on the, on the board, and I want you to read it aloud with me, and understand that you're going to go for that hope in the Lord. Today is a day you're shifting your hope to the Lord. Come on, say it with me. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Good. Have a seat. God bless you. As you get your notes, your Bibles out, Bible apps, open your Bibles up to Isaiah 61 verse 1 and Isaiah 58 12. Now I just had you, we just read a scripture from Isaiah. These are two different passages. Um, Isaiah 61 1 and then Isaiah 58 12 and hold your place there and uh, we'll, we'll be picking up on those a little later in the message. Uh, for those of you who like to write down the title of today's message, it is this. It's your best is yet to come because I believe that. Your best is yet to come. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person next to you and I want you just to tell them because they need to hear it. So tell them your best is yet to come. Come on, say it to someone next to you. Say it, say it again. Say it to the other person. Your best is yet to come. Your best, that's it. Now, now take a look up here at me and since it's just me on the platform, just say it to me. Say, Pastor Tim, your best is yet to come. Okay, here, here's what I want you to do because sometimes, sometimes my team gets on me because I'll, I'll talk like that and like, why are you pointing at everybody? Yeah, I said, it's not nice. And I said, I know, I don't know, I don't know. I just don't know. And I just get passionate with my hands. So I'm gonna get, I want you just to do it back to me today. I want you to point at me and you, I want you to say, your best is yet to come. I mean, point at me, just tell me. Come on, ready to go. Your best is yet to come. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is kind of intimidating. I want you to personalize it for yourself. I want you to say, my best is yet to come. Will you do that? My best is yet. Now, when we say that, it can mean a lot of different things to different people, but I want us to take that from this perspective. The, where you are right now and where God wants to lead you and direct you and take you are two different places. And this is the best, and God wants to take you there. I want to help you get there. Specifically today, I'm going to be talking about your destiny. And it is to uh, fulfill the spiritual mandate that's on your life for your own destiny. And here's the truth. You know it, and you know it's true. There's a destiny on your life. But the problem is, is that most of us struggle with it. Um, you know, we, we get excited when we hear about what God's doing. Um, oh, wow, I love what God's doing. I want to be a part of that. Or, well, I love what God's doing in the world, and that's great. And we get excited about that, and, and then and we were like, well, how can I be a part? And then we start looking at ourselves, and we see ourselves, which we're broken, and we're flawed, and we're messed up. <laughs> and then our face drops because we don't really believe that God can really use us to change the world. And so we're just kind of in this cycle of like, that's, I guess, for somebody else. But it's not. Today I'm introducing something that has the potential to revolutionize your perspective regarding your own destiny and purpose. I want you to open your hearts to it. I loved going to church when I was a little kid. I would hear my dad preach and he would preach this one passage of scripture a lot, and it was, it's called the Great Commission. He would, it said he would preach, and he would tell us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, and, and I, I loved hearing that. But the way that it was typically taught back in those days, and the way we understood it was the Great Commission, or what Jesus told us that we're supposed to be doing on this earth, there are really five ways to do it. And we were given those five ways all the time. And I know them. I, still, I know them today. They're very clear in my head. One way is you need to be a professional minister. You need to be clergy. You need to be like a pastor, you know. Another way is you need to be a missionary. You need to go to um, Africa or Asia or whatever, and you're going to go and give your life to a mission field and die over there and live over there. And that's, that's great. Another one would have been that, uh, that you were going to be involved, you were going to be involved in some kind of a church ministry, a church service, and, and uh, do something in the church. And that's one of the other ways to do it. The fourth way is that you're supposed to do something called uh, street witnessing. <laughs> that's, that's like where you go out on the streets like, do you know Jesus? No, I don't know. Well, then you're going to hell, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, have you ever had that happen to you? I've, I've had it happen to me a few times before, yeah. I've had it happen like out here to the plaza before. I was like, how do you know I'm going to hell? Oh, you know, I don't get started on that one. But another one is, a, uh, is you could take a short-term missions trip, and that's the way to participate in this thing of giving the gospel to all creation. And now all that's fine. And, and you know, we, we're into all that. But I, I just got to tell you, that interpretation that we were given was very, very narrow. And it prevented most people from truly stepping into their destiny and their purpose. Tell you about myself. Ever since I was a small child, I knew that there was a call of God in my life to be a pastor. I knew that. Uh, Very clear. I'd pursued that and I've been a pastor all my life. But 
there was a time when I wasn't a pastor, a little span of two years. Uh, I wasn't pastoring a church. I was actually managing a small business when we had moved down here before we started City of Life. And I was doing something different than I'd ever done in the past. But I ran the business and I ran my own affairs with what I call kingdom principles, okay? I did it a certain way. Uh, which means, here's basically how it worked. I ran the office with integrity. I served and uh, worked for the owners. And if you were in the 1030 service last Sunday, you would have met the owners. I don't know if you were here or not, but the owners of that business, they were here uh, with us for the first time. But uh, I, I served them and worked for them as if I was working for Christ. I, I also chose to walk in a spirit of excellence, I, uh, I met uh, a clients and I interacted with associates and, and I, I conveyed the life and love and generosity of God and that's, that's what I did and I love doing that. But m- my goal would be then to just simply attempt to put a smile on people's faces one way or another. I, I wanted to lift people up. I wanted to find a creative way to do it. Now, of course, I was running the business at the same time, but I wanted to just, just run a business. I wanted to touch people. A lot of times I would show up and I would tell my team at the beginning of the day, you know, today's, my goal today is I'm going to make a new friend. And they're like, well, okay, good luck. I'm going to go make a new friend somewhere, somehow. Um, When people in my office were down, sick or discouraged, I'd pray for them. When a client was um, stressed, or even if they were just unraveling, Quite often I would ask that client, sometimes face-to-face in person, other times, uh, other times just, just over the phone. I would, um, I would ask that client, you know, what I could do for them and how I could pray for them. And I would and I did. And you, know, you know something interesting? I asked a lot of people if I could pray for them. And not one, not one time, not one time was I ever turned down. Never. Not one time was I accused of being crazy. None of those people even knew that I had been, that I was a pastor of a big church and I was now running a business. They, they didn't, nobody knew that. They just saw me as Tim the businessman, you know? Tim the guy that tries to come and lift people up. That, that, that's what they saw. See, here's what I was doing. I had been pastoring a church utilizing my giftings there. During this one short season, I was leading a business using my giftings there. And I was doing it all for Jesus no matter where I was. I I chose to use my giftings in that business in a unique way. One of the things that I'm gifted with is is the ability to communicate and to to teach and to to lift people up and encourage people in in, in public group settings like this. We call it preaching here. Um, So, I well... I'm not going to start preaching to people, but I'm going to use this gift. So I just started something new. I, I, I started going to the clients. I printed up some tickets and said, okay, we're going to have this business training session and, uh, for all of our clients and other community people. And so I just went out for you know, a few weeks when I was out talking to our clients. And, and uh, we, I didn't know if anybody was going to show up, but we filled up the room and they all came for their, their lunch and their, their time. And I, I taught them and we did it again. And I said, man, we got to do this again. 
again. Uh, not long after that, I began speaking at various chambers of commerce all over the area, started asking me to come and, and do chamber luncheons and, and uh, then leadership seminars. And, and this just began to expand and to grow. And, and my goal the whole time was I just wanted to leave people better than I found them. I wanted to lift them to the next level. And what I would do is in my talks, I would just weave in kingdom principles. I would talk about how I used kingdom principles, but I didn't say it as kingdom principles. I was how I wove it into the, to leading the office and how I touched people and helped people and what we're all about. And I did that really all the time. Uh, whether it was a one-on-one, a training, a business leaders event, I don't know. Just kept praying for people. After a while, People started coming to me with even some of the bigger issues in life. I got to pray with people to receive Jesus. Some people said, well, I need to go to a church. And like, they normally go, yeah, come to my church. But no, I, mean, <laughs> I wasn't pastor in the church, so I'd find a good Bible-believing church and get them connected and get them connected with some other people and, and uh, taking people forward on their spiritual journey. And I'm telling you, when I was doing that in the marketplace, I was never brash or polarizing. I wasn't Bible thumping, shaking my finger at people. I just loved people. I loved people the same way Jesus loves me. It's really, really that simple. Everything I'm sharing today is really that simple. Not only did the company's sales explode, but I was living out my faith in the marketplace. See, my values, my faith, and my God was not relegated to the church building or the house. Okay, now when Jesus left this earth, uh, there were about 500 people assembled around him. He's about to ascend into the sky. This is after his death and resurrection. And he was surrounded by people of, of all ages. I mean, there were children there, little boys and girls and ladies and men and old people and young people and, and people from different socioeconomic backgrounds and, and, uh, and it, just everything imaginable. Just a cluster of people there from the town. And Jesus looked at every one of those 500 people and he said these words, and it's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 28. He looked at them all and he said this, go, all of you, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and all nations means every people group, okay? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's what we call the Great Commission. That's what my dad was preaching from. But, but, but Jesus didn't just say this to a group of people who were uh, pastors and missionaries. Now, sure, a few people who were in that group became pastors and missionaries, but it was really, it was just a handful. Most of the people there were normal people with normal jobs who had encountered the life, the love, and the power of Jesus. And Jesus did not tell them, leave your job and go do something else. He never told them that. He didn't. He did that one time in the Bible, and that was to Peter, and he needed to, because <laughs> he was going to be a missionary. He's going to be a church leader. See, no, see, most of them kept doing their jobs and they continued interacting with their same relational networks and kept doing their same hobbies with their same friends. But here's the difference. Now they had new 
purpose. And God was now able to use them on a completely new level. And here's the good news for you. God wants to use you on a new level. And I'm gonna challenge you today to boldly step into what I call your cultural street. Now that term cultural street might be new to you, but you're gonna get it after a few minutes, all right? I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 61, verse one. And what you're about ready to read is the, is the job description for Jesus. But because Jesus also lived and he said, now I give this job description to you. What we're about ready to read is our job description as well as followers of Jesus. Now, the, if we're going to do the G- Jesus job description, it doesn't mean we have to do everything just like he did it. So you don't have to walk around in a white robe with a blue sash. You don't have to go through the Middle East uh, praying for people on the streets and, and, and gathering rallies, of, outdoor rallies of people and teaching them. You, if you want to do that, that's fine with me. But, 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 but he, we actually are to do this in a certain environment. And we are to we are to we are to be simply to be a blessing of God to other people. We are to make a difference in the world and it's that simple. We do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Take a look at it. Isaiah 61 verse 1. It says the spirit, look at it in your Bibles, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. That's the spirit of God. Okay, that's the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord has anointed me to do stuff. Okay? In other words, God is in you to, do, to make you do stuff. All right? So to proclaim good news to the poor. God has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Do you see how this works? That's what we do when Whenever we walk into a setting, we start doing this and we're actually doing our job description as believers. I'm gonna teach you how to do this. And then what will happen is it says the people that you're doing this to, God's going to establish them like oak trees. I mean, just the, the, the imagery there is incredible. It says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. In other words, like, bam, God, look what you've done here. Look what you've done through me. God, look, 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 look how this person's life has been transformed. And God's going, yeah. And then I like this next part. It says they, we, us, what we do is we rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. Now, I know you might think of this as as being like a a town or a village or something like that. I guess you could take it that way, but really what this is speaking about is any system, any structure. This can be a business. It can be be a governmental system. it uh, it, it, It can be a way of doing things in the culture, but it always starts with people's lives because people's lives are what count the most. And, And ultimately, when people's lives are put back together, the structures and the systems begin to follow. Catch that? When people's lives begin to come into alignment and we help them to get to that next place, the other things begin to take care of themselves. So look at this. It says they, we, us, will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities, ruined people, ruined families that have been destroyed for generations. My friend, that's your job description. That was written 3,000 years ago and it is relevant for us today. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, understand this, God lives in you. You are a carrier of God. It's called the Holy Spirit. He is in you. I I mean, don't miss this. God's spirit is in you now, 
okay? Now, now understanding that, he put that there, and that's the beginning of the source of this power to accomplish everything that Isaiah 61 said that we're supposed to do. Now, as a, as a pastor, I have a responsibility from the scriptures that says I am to equip you to do the ministry. A lot of times people think, well, pastor, you're called a minister, so you're the one who does all the ministry. Well, no, I'm not, because if, if, I, if I do that, I'm actually violating the scriptures, because the Bible says that, that God gave, that Jesus gave you a gift, and that's me. I'm a gift to you, yay. But, 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 uh, but I am here to equip you. That means I put the tools in your hands, I put the resources in your hands, I give you training, I give you encouragement, I'm gonna cheer you on, I'm gonna coach you. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what this is about right here to do ministry, right out there. You're anointed by God to do it because God is in you and you're being trained and commissioned. So, so it's no accident that you're here today. But it's also no accident that you do what you do. It's no accident that you're a parent. Now I know some of you might go, no, that was, that was an accident. <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on here. Uh, there's no accident, it's no accident that you're a parent. That's a setup from God. It's no accident that you're a student, a business person, a performer, a trainer, a lawyer, a teacher, an office staff member. You are positioned in a place on purpose from God. And God's spirit is in you to make a difference. Every time you walk into that place, every time you walk up and down those halls, God is right there. You, you catch that. And God doesn't want to just be hanging out. He wants to explode some life out of you. See, God has anointed you to change the world. You're going to do it one person at a time. You do it in your day-to-day interactions with people on your cultural street. You know what? Some of you, I just want to say this. You need to stop looking down on yourself and saying, like, who, me? <laughs> I'm not good enough. No, God put a spirit in you. You're carrying God. So I'm challenging you today. Do this. Boldly step forward because it's your time. It's time that you boldly be whom God fashioned you to be. Yeah, of course you still have some hang-ups and you have some faults and some past failures that that have kept you from stepping forward. But listen, God's not embarrassed of you. God loves to use flawed, messed up, imperfect people by putting his spirit in you. I mean, look at the person next to you and you go, oh, yeah, okay, I see what you're talking about, Pastor Tim. <laughs> now look at the mirror, really. That's the way it works. Do the selfie. <laughs> Guys, listen. God forgives, God restores, God heals, God s- sets you on a new path, and God redeems the past. Hey, listen, your past has prepared you for your future. The greatest, most powerful ministry most of us will have actually is rooted in the areas where we have experienced the most pain and hurt and agony that we've had to plow through personally. See, because as God heals and as he restores, he pours a lot of himself into that area, which means God has a lot of him right there, and that's where he's gonna move the most. You become a tool and an instrument to, to, of God to do the same thing that he's done to you, and you get to do it for others. 
Now I want you to look at this other passage. It's in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 12. It's a second small passage, just one verse here. And this is one verse which, which talks about how you are actually commissioned to be a repairer and a rebuilder and a restorer. Again, it's using the, the uh, imagery of, of a city or, or a place. And, and I think that imagery is good, but understand, really, at its root, it's talking about people, okay? This is all talking about what we do for people. Look at this. It says, your people, that means us as believers, will rebuild the angels ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called, this is a name you get to be called by God, repairer of broken walls. You get to be called restorer of streets with dwellings. I'm especially drawn to that last line where it says restorer of streets with dwellings. In fact, the terminology cultural streets originated right there. That just means that you're called and you're commissioned and you're empowered by God to restore on that street. And so, so the, the question is now, are you going to be willing today to step forward and step out and allow God to do some amazing things through you? Because God wants you to be used on a whole new level. Boldly step into your cultural street because the best is yet to come. That's what God wants for you. And you can live boldly through the power of the Holy Spirit and see this happening. Now, I want to break this down just a little bit and, and, and help us to make some sense of it. Because every time I talk about culture, I mean, typically someone will come to me and say, I don't even know what culture means. You know, give me a little definition. Well, I'm going to give a very simple definition of culture. Simply stated, it's, it's how we uniquely behave and how we cluster. Um, we all behave in unique ways. And have you noticed that we tend to hang out with the people that behave the same as us. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a culture. Cities have culture. I mean, Fort Worth has a culture. Just we all kind of behave a certain way over here. And it's different than Dallas, you know? Uh, yes, that's, that's why we, we always like, oh, go, go over there, those crazy people over there in Dallas, because we know that Dallas. But, but, uh, but then the truth is, is uh, there's an Azel culture. But then you go to New York, and they, that's a very different feel, right? Very different vibe. Any of you ever travel? Go to Detroit. I'm talking here. Like, Okay, so you see the difference. So a city can have, a family has a culture. There, there's the church culture. There's arts culture. There's business culture. We act a certain way and we tend to clump with the people who are acting the same way. See how it works? Okay, so then the next question is what is a cultural street? Well, a cultural street is where people regularly cross paths within a particular sphere of society. So the cultural street is where you interact with people within that culture. Um, it's, it's actually literally like a street because, because you're going to have something in common with someone because you're on the same street. Have you ever been driving down the highway and you kind of look to your left and go, why is that guy on the highway at the same time as me every single day of my life? You know, it's like, I, I know that car, I know what they're going to do now. Okay, but, 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 but there are things like that on, on the road, and that's the imagery that we use. But, but the cultural streets, it's similar because you're brushing up against people. You continue to cross paths with people on a regular basis in a particular culture. And we call that person our neighbor. That, that is an appropriate term for neighbor. Now, I have to tell you back, when I was in fourth grade, and I, was at, I went to a school called Pease Elementary School in Odessa, Texas. Now, I have never met another person in my life outside of Odessa who, goes to, who went to Pease Elementary. Is there any Pease people here? No, no Pease people. Hey, I'm still, I'm, one of these days, we're gonna get, I'm going to find a Pease person. We're going to sit down and have a party and talk about the playground. But um, went to Pease Elementary. Yeah, that was really the name of it. I'm not joking. Pease not anything else, just peas. Uh, and, and, and my fourth grade teacher was Mrs. Ham. 
I mean, the mental imagery was like overwhelmingly wrong, you know, for those little kids. You know, we're at this children's educational institution with peas, you know, Mrs. Ham at peas. It was just, ah. But, but here's the truth. Mrs. Ham was a very nice teacher. My, my brothers made such fun of me. You know, I was the youngest. Ah, you got a peas with ham? <laughs> I'm still dealing with it today. But she was a nice teacher, but she always referred to the person who sat next to you as your neighbor. And this kind of confused me because I thought, no, the neighbor is the person that you live next door to. I mean, come on. Because she said we're supposed to like our neighbor and be nice to them. It's like, I'm sitting next to Elizabeth. Now let me tell you about Elizabeth, all right? Elizabeth had these two long braids that went all the way down her back. Elizabeth was the smartest girl in the class, and whenever she finished, she would turn her paper over. She would be loud and open and slam her desk and walk out. Teacher, I'm done. I need to go use the restroom. Making a big scene that she was the first one to get her paper done every time. If there are any therapists in the room, I could use some help still to this day. All right, but... You know, I, I just got tired of hearing that Elizabeth was my, my neighbor. I wanted so bad to tell Mrs. Ham at Pease that Elizabeth was not my next door neighbor. She didn't live next door. I didn't go play with her. My mom and dad don't even know her mom and dad. They don't wave at each other. But I decided just to suck it up all year long. I wasn't going to act like a fool. She thinks she's my neighbor, but she's not. Well, then one Sunday at church, dad was preaching. And we didn't have kids' church. That was, that was like, that was for other churches, man. We, we sat in there and dealt with it, you know. And I, I was in church with my dad and, and uh, listening to him, and he was preaching about, who's your neighbor? Well, it got my attention. It's like, well, well we can go ask Mrs. Pease at, at uh, I mean, Mrs. Ham at Pease. And, but, but, but dad began to refer to a, to a story in the Bible regarding the parable of the good Samaritan. Now, Jesus was talking to a group of people. He was talking about how important it is to simply love your neighbor. This, this cocky religious guy goes, okay, then who is my neighbor? I mean, come on, answer that, Jesus. So Jesus hauled off into a story. We call it a parable. And uh, Jesus told this parable of this Jewish man who was traveling down this, this ancient Middle Eastern road, which been a Roman road, and, and he was traveling down there. And in those days, you, when you traveled alone, you were very vulnerable to bandits. And uh, they were dangerous places because people would be assaulted and robbed on their travels. And sure enough, this Jewish man was beat up. Uh, he was stripped of his clothes. He was robbed and left lying on the side of the road. So Jesus is explaining the story in detail and telling how people were passing him by on the street, not paying any attention to him. And then came along a Samaritan man. Now the Samaritan man was a, of a different ethnicity. He was also of a different religious background. So he was very different than the man who was lying on the side of the road. Especially during that culture, you know, you just, you didn't mix any of that. And what he did is he saw the man and he stopped and he, he helped him and he rescued him. He, he saved his life and paid his medical bills. Now, Jesus then explained, he said, the Samaritan was a good neighbor to the Jewish man. And that was the example. Now, why was the Samaritan the Jewish man's neighbor? They didn't live on the, in the same town, didn't have the same beliefs. They didn't even have the same ethnicity. No, but they brushed up against one another. They crossed paths on the street. You see? And the Samaritan actually personifies the work of God that believers do. He did ministry. He brought repair and restoration and healing to this man that he crossed paths with. 
See, cultural streets is about ministering to the people whom we brush up against day in and day out. When Monday morning arrives here in a few hours, we're all going to be headed in different directions. You're going to be scattered all over this metroplex, some across the country. And and you're, you're going to find yourselves, you will all be in these different societal spheres, or basically what I call cultural streets. And what I wanted to do is to equip you to be successful and do ministry within that cultural street. Now, there are seven basic cultural streets. I'm going to share them with you. They're right up there on the, uh, on the board. Family, business, arts and entertainment, faith, government, education, health and vitality. You'll be able to get more definitions and all that later. But, but every one of you will fall into at least one of these cultural streets tomorrow morning. You will. And that is where you are placed to do the ministry of Jesus. This is where God has anointed you to restore, repair, and heal lives. And that's what this church has actually been about since day one. I told you a little bit about my story. And after I had led that business for two years, I realized that God could use the same anointing of God could work in me leading a business as leading a church. See, what I had done is I had switched cultural streets for a while. I was in the faith cultural streets, street, doing a church, pastor in a big church, and then I left there and come down here to try to figure out what to do next, and, and uh, then I moved over into the business cultural street. I'm gonna, God's gonna use me, and, and once I began to see how that actually worked, when I came here, we was like, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna roll with this thing. In fact, as a sweet memory of mine that came back to my heart, I did, I did, I'd, I'd forgotten about it, until just this week preparing this message. But it was in August of the year 2011. We just had a little semicircle of chairs and sofas and big comfy seats right here. We all kind of had our little small group and and our service. We met at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. and, uh, And I started teaching about these seven areas, these seven domains or spheres or mountains or whatever, you know, I can't remember what I call them. But as I was teaching this, one of the guys came up to me after the service and said, Pastor, you're going to be teaching on this for a couple of weeks. I've got an idea of something that we can do, which will make this really vivid. Uh, I want to build these big street signs has the name of each one of them on there. Chris, you probably remember that. We had the big poles that were up here and, 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 uh, and, and they had the names of all these cultural streets that were up there and there were these big street signs. That was my background. I wish I had those today. We, I think we threw them in the dumpster. <laughs> that was years ago. We, had to get, we don't have storage in this building, but that's where this began. This is in our DNA. I'll never forget, I was going back in my heart and in my mind of the inception of this right here and how this was built into the DNA of this church. And and, uh, I remember the moment when I saw people's eyes begin to open that felt that they, they couldn't do anything for God. And people began to say and feel and know that they were actually designed by God and placed into a unique culture or cultural street to make a difference. Today we've come full circle. We've kind of livened this up and we're branding it. You, you're not going to hear the term cultural streets anywhere else. That's, that's our own terminology. And uh, we've, we've made this our own. The reason is because this is part of our identity as a church. And even as we're, as we're introducing this to the church, it's going to take a while to unveil the whole thing to you. Today's the beginning. But uh, there are even other pastors who are wanting hold of this information 
to, to be able to utilize this because I believe this is not just going to be something that's going to mark our church but it's going to be used all across this nation. So what's the mission of Cultural Streets? Very simple. Developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. That is the mission of our church. There is no difference. I am called by God and anointed by God to equip you to do this. If I don't do this, I am failing. There are two steps for us to do today. I want to strongly encourage you to take these two steps. And here it is. It's going to be fun. We're going to take our cultural streets test today. You guys are going to love this. This is a test and you will not be graded. And, and you know what? If Elizabeth wins and makes a big deal about her being first, it doesn't matter. All right. Uh, and, and I know there's Elizabeth here and there's an Elizabeth there. There are too, way too many Elizabeths in this room. Just as long as you don't have braids and start being loud. Okay. But, but, uh, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to get into the City Life app. Go to the City Life app and open it up. And you're going to, if you did what we've asked you to do, or if you've, if you've updated it, uh, it doesn't work on the old app. You definitely have to update it if, uh, with the new update that came out last week. But uh, here on this, you're going to be able to explore, take the test. It'll tell you, it'll just be a real clear button. Take the test, boom, do that. And then from there, you're going to be able to explore your, what we call unique edge. Now, there's some people, there's some guys and ladies up that are walking around, and if you see them and you don't know what's going on, it's like, how do I do this? Am I allowed to play on my phone in church? I don't know what to do. Uh, just just go ahead and says, signal one of them, kind of give them eye contact and do like the, the head nod so you don't have to be embarrassed that you don't know what's going on. Uh, like your phone isn't working, you know. These, these people are really smart. At least they act like it. So we'll... Uh, We'll let them do this. Okay, start taking the test. Um, also, if you're listening to this message online through our recording, uh, you can use either the City Life app to do this, or you can also access the test through a website. We have a website. It's called culturalstreets.org. Culturalstreets.org. And go ahead and begin completing your test now. Okay, don't forget when you get to the end, just submit your information. That way, we're all we're going to be able to keep you up to date on on what's what will be happening with cultural streets with that, and uh, register for the seminar on on March 8, March sixteenth. That's that's a Saturday morning, and if you can't make it, just go and register for it because we'll get you set up for the next one that we'll be doing. If you can't make it to that one, but we want to get you in the system. I'm 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 encouraging you guys to get on the ground floor of this as we get it started. This is really exciting, and I'm pretty pumped about it. If you can't tell. All right, you guys are doing good. All right, um, still going? Finished yet? How many of you are finished? Lift your hands. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll give you another minute. Yeah, some of you raised your hands because and I saw you in the last service, and so you're like showing off in this service as if you did it faster than everyone else, and it's a lie. It's a lie. Today we're going to have prayer for liars right after church. We're going to line right up like all the liars. Is those the show-offs? Mm-hmm. All the Elizabeths who are in here. Yes, all of you Elizabeths showing off like you finished and won. Then all the Timmies who are the last one to finish. Like, God help me. I'm too ADD. I don't know how to do this. I'm still ADD. But it's fun. It's fun. Yes. You're your ADD too. See? And that's why it's fun. Mm-hmm. 
All right, guys. Uh, I, at that seminar, here's the purpose for it. That's the place where we're going to equip you for success with cultural streets. Um, I'd like to know how some of you identify. How many of you identify with family? Family, lift your hand here. Yeah, yeah, good, 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 good. Just be proud, you're family, men and women. All right, good. Uh, how many of you, you identify with business? Business is yours, good. Awesome, 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 awesome. Yeah, how many of you, arts and entertainment? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Liz, did you raise your hand? Okay, uh, that's good, that's good. Show off. And... Um, she is not the Elizabeth from the story, nor is she the Elizabeth from the story, nor any of the other Elizabeths that are in here, because um, they didn't go to Pease Elementary with Mrs. Ham. How many of you, faith, faith, faith is yours, good, good. How many of you, government, government's yours, yes, yes, beautiful, oh, I love it. How many of you, education, 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 two? I, okay, all the education people, they were like in the other services. I mean, it was just like masses of people. Yeah, education. Like nobody here. Okay, wait, wait, now I know what we're dealing with in here. This is great. What, health and vitality. I'm going to be like, yes, you were healthy because you got your eight hours of sleep last night. Okay, okay, now I want you to grab hold of the cultural street that you're on. I want us to be serious here now. What is the cultural street that you identify with? And I want you to look back at the Great Commission. And I want you to think about yourself in your domain, in your sphere, in that cultural street. And I want you to listen to the words that Jesus would have been saying to you standing on that mountain 2,000 years ago, commissioning you to make a difference in the world. Look, think about it. Where are you today? What is your, what is your cultural street? Now Jesus says to you, go now. And I want you to make disciples of all nations. We're going to train you how to do that. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're going to teach them how to obey everything I've commanded you. See, that is the Great Commission, and I'm telling you, my friend, it is doable. It is doable with the love of Jesus and the life of Jesus, and the way it comes out is different for everyone, but God empowers us. That is what we're going to do with Cultural Streets. I'm going to train you and equip you to do this, and I cannot be more excited about this because God wants to move you to the next level, and I challenge you today, now make the choice to boldly step into your cultural street. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. And when I pray, I'm going to pray over, I pray a prayer blessing over you as you begin to move into this and that whatever your cultural street is, when I say it, I just want that just to resonate in your heart that this prayer is for me. So come on, just receive this prayer all across this room. God, I pray for every person who hears my voice. I pray that, that you will provide encouragement and life and strength. God, that you will, you will fill people with your spirit, God. God, that, that, that everyone in here will, will take the steps forward to, to, to operate and to live in their purpose so they can make a difference in this world. God, I thank you, Lord, that you want to do exceedingly abundantly more than we're even asking right now. So God, I pray for those in that family cultural street. I pray for those who are in the business cultural street. God, for those in arts and entertainment, for those who are in faith. God, those who are in the government cultural street, education street, in health and vitality, Lord, I pray for creativity, God, a keen insight and a deep, deep, deep love for people. Lord, I pray that you will work through us to make a difference, that the culture of our city will be different in the days to come because we are doing what we're supposed to be doing in our street. In Jesus' name.
want no more movement at this time. Please, real still for just a moment. Will you guys just close your eyes and focus internally? Some of you may be here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You possibly have drifted from relationship with God. And if you want to know the Jesus that I talk about, if you want a new beginning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond just by simply lifting your hand. Know this, Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you can have life And today is your day to live. If you'd like to be a part of my closing prayer and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand at the count of three so that I can see it and connect my faith with yours. Will you do that? One, two, three. Will you lift your hand for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Here's what I'm going to ask that you do. If you lifted your hand, I want you and everyone in this room to also stand with me right now. Will you please stand all across the room? Please, everyone standing. And I'm going to ask, if you lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words with me, and I want you to mean it from the bottom of your heart. But church, I want you, congregation of believers, I want you. This is the most important thing that could happen today. I want you to pray this with us as encouragement for those who are giving their lives to Jesus, whose Holy Spirit is about ready to rush into their lives. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive my sins, because it's time for me to live. I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. I have purpose in you, Jesus. Amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.